Good morning everyone, this is Steve Bell and uh, for me it's quite a Charlotte Chapel weekend and I'm absolutely delighted about that. Uh, it's great to be with you and this morning um, talking uh, about Jesus and outsiders. Um, the academic professor Jordan Peterson had a dream in which he was in the graveyard of an old cathedral and the graves started to open and great warrior kings of the past stood on the graves armed uh, and they began to fight one another in his dream. Suddenly, he says, they stopped fighting and bowed down to the figure of Jesus Christ. And it so impacted this, uh, to all intents and purposes, secular academic. Uh, so impacted um, Peterson uh, that he was, the next day he was pondering the meaning of the dream. And he felt that um, if you take the best kingly quality in every king or leader that has ever lived and roll them into one essence it could best be symbolized in the person of Jesus Christ who is he says the icon of transcendent embodied good and he goes on to explain that this embodied good is embedded in what we call the Judeo-Christian heritage, which this nation uh, is uh, founded upon, or uh, it's, it's the earth in which this nation came uh, to develop. And why I started with Peterson's story or of a dream uh, is because it's a partial explanation as to why Jesus Christ is relevant in the 21st century. And imagine this comes from a guy who is not yet a Christian, but he's spotted something. Now, Jesus has always been about outsiders and we live in a multicultural society. Yes, its roots are deeply embedded in the Judeo-Christian heritage, but we've become now a multicultural society, which means we have multi-races, religions, class, gender, age, worldviews, and this is the context uh, in which we are serving in Christian witness to our generation. This is the generation we live in, uh, for good or ill. Um, and so because of this multicultural, multi-layered society, um, people need the gospel teaching before they're able to listen to the gospel preaching. Um, John's gospel is a favorite of mine 
because it is a teaching of the good news uh, for outsiders. And uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but the, the gospel is uh, just a load of um, a series of interviews, encounters, interactions, conversations with different people uh, from different layers of society reminds me of Britain today. And so it's a teaching gospel. It's for outsiders and it's carefully crafted to touch people of different race. We'll see the Samaritans this evening as we touch on that. Um, different faith, different gender. Remember him speaking with the woman, the woman at the well who was a Samaritan and different worldviews. So John's gospel, a teaching of the gospel. And I just love the reading we've had um, this morning. Um, Jesus, it's teaching Jesus was the cause of the first creation. So Genesis 1.1 says, uh, if you remember, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And God said the word, God said, let there be light. Uh, Psalm 33 tells us, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And so John begins the gospel by saying, in the beginning was Jesus, the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. Now I don't want to be sidetracked, um, there may be um, quite a few students in Charlotte, um, but whatever your understanding of evolution theory and the origin of all things, the I, I want to use that as a headline to say the real question is what is first cause? However we got there, science studies the how while theology studies the who. And so there, it is a total fallacy that the two um, do not interconnect. And there was a beautiful um, article in the Times uh, just this last Sunday uh, with Justin Welby as Archbishop of Canterbury and a former colleague of his when he worked in BP, uh, and the, the, as, uh, who was a scientist. Um, and the article was called something like um, for uh, counteracting the climate emergency, we need faith and science. <laughs> and it was a terrific um, uh, partnership uh, in writing that article. So Jesus is the first cause of all creation. And then in verse three, through Jesus, everything was made. And without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. 
Um, and somehow we we find that not everybody is acknowledging the ascendant uh, Christ, the icon of the common good. For some, when they start to realize who Jesus is, there is an animosity about his claims. It's, it's one thing having the ideal of this ascended greater good, which is absolutely um, recognized. Um, uh, Hindus recognize it, Muslims recognize it, Christians adore it. Um, historians recognize the depth to which and the influence of the Judeo-Christian heritage. Uh, but for those who start to hear the claims of Christ and animosity comes at, at that point, um, it's almost a, an, an intolerance of the facts, the light that is Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, it says the world was made through him, but the world refused him and continues to refuse. And for me and, and believers in Jesus worldwide, um, we worship him as first cause. And Graham Kendrick picked it up fabulously in one of my favorite songs of worshipful poetry. Hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. Uh, Noel Richards, also songwriter, worship leader, you suffered at the hands of those you had created. The transcendence of Jesus, the emptying of Jesus coming from his Father uh, and being um, becoming that embodiment of the transcendent good is one of the most awesome uh, factors in history. So those who look at Jesus, whether it provokes animosity or admiration, John talks about his glory. We have seen his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father. So just a few words about the glory of this babe of Bethlehem, or as I call him, the nipper of Nazareth. Nazareth. Um, what was his glory? And there are four aspects. Number one, Jesus, John tells us in uh, verse 14a, Jesus became flesh. He was enfleshed. He was incarnated as one of us. It was a total condescension to be with others, to be with outsiders, to embrace those who are not included. From heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world, your glory veiled, not to be served, but to serve, again, says Graham Kendrick. And Wesley, I love, clothed in flesh, 
the Godhead see, hail, the incarnate deity. It's stunning. The second point that John brings out, uh, 14, verse 14b, Jesus made his home among us. This is how he approaches outsiders. He's enfleshed as one. He's incarnational. Then he makes his home among, which is totally relational. Um, Jesus was a Nazarene. Um, as um, it, I live near in the northwest, near Preston, um, and um, they have a saying in this part of the country that something is un as unremarkable as Accrington Stanley, which is a football team. But Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's the back of beyond. Um, so Jesus wasn't known as a Bethlehemite, the royal town. It's like being born in Windsor or, or Edinburgh indeed. Um, but Jesus came and, and brought proximity to the people. He, he was Emmanuel, God with us. Thirdly, Jesus made the Father known, verse 18. Jesus was his message of in inclusion, of uh, connection with those who were still outside. He was good news before he talked and told good news. This is the pattern. And then in, uh, also it says he was full. This is the fourth point. Jesus was full of grace and truth, a gracious attitude and righteous actions and faithfulness to the Word of God. This week I've met two people um, who are evidence of what we're talking about, both because they are millennial um, one is a young Middle Eastern woman who said to me, God hates me because she says I'm same sex attracted. A Middle Eastern young woman. Another one. Our next Sunday, our church will be um, baptizing another refugee guy from a Muslim background with an horrendous and heroic story of flight uh, to safety. And it's when we start to meet some of the layers that are within British society today, uh, we realize that particularly on my heart are the Muslim people, many of them hurting for various reasons, many harangued in the United Kingdom when they need loving into, the, into God's kingdom. There is a place at the table in God's kingdom. And Jesus was the past master, the model of engagement 
for those who are outside. We're going to unpack this more this evening as we look um, at the Samaritan immigrant community of his day. But many Christians uh, didn't get the memo that Britain is now multicultural, multi-layered. Um, Christian witness is now from everywhere to everywhere. It, it's so cyclical. Um, it's no longer just about over there. We are no longer a mono-racial society. But the ends of the earth now live in our postcode. And I suggest to you from Ephesians 1 verse 11, it is in the economy of God, because he works out all things according to his good will and pleasure, including the processes of human history. So this is a wonderful privilege that we as followers, Christ followers, that we have uh, to bring witness to him in, in the society that we live. And in many ways, uh, we are, uh, although our roots are so profoundly Judeo-Christian um, that permeates uh, everything um, from our literature, uh, the, the, the arts, uh, our history, all that we are in the United Kingdom. However, we're, we're also uh, in certain respects a post-Christian society where people are not asking whether Christianity is true in some absolute sense, although it is, but they're asking what practical difference it would make to their lives if they embraced Christianity. That's a profound in insight from um, a, a, one of the um, professors at St. Andrews, I believe, St. Andrews University. So Jesus is the answer. But the question in society has changed. And for some of us, it was while we were not looking. Now, Jesus, if he had a uh, website, I believe his Twitter account, uh, sorry, a Twitter social media account, I believe that his Twitter account may well be hashtag grace and truth. He's the one who came full of grace and truth. The Apostle John said the word became flesh but we must be um, Bishop uh, uh, John Wright uh, Tom Wright says um, we must be careful not to turn the flesh back into mere words the great command of Christ is to love our neighbor and I believe chronologically that was given before the great commission of Christ to tell our neighbor. The great command to love our neighbor, the great commission to tell our neighbor. Good works are inseparable from good words and grace is the mood music 
to the lyrics, the words of the gospel, the word of truth. So may we follow him who is exists for outsiders, <laughs> for those who are not yet members, and we his church exist for our non-members, people who are not yet following Jesus. So God bless you and uh, we'll say a little bit more this evening. Amen.